Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You are listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today, we're speaking with Charlotte, whose son was born still at five months gestation. Charlotte, welcome to the Grief Stories podcast. Um, Thank Thank you for joining us today. Of course. Can you begin by telling us your story of loss? Yes. So several months ago, uh, I was pregnant and I went in for a routine ultrasound. And the technician was kind of taking longer than normal. Um, And then she said she had to go check on something. And she went out of the room and was gone for a while. And when she came back, she had a doctor with her. And the doctor told me that um, there was no more heartbeat. And so I was induced into labor um, and I spent a night in the hospital in labor. Uh, And the next morning around 1030, I delivered my son. Um, And so that's the sort of climax of the story. And the setup of the story is um, I had been trying for a year and a half. I had had one other uh, miscarriage. Um, so this was this one was considered a stillbirth. Um, I'd had a miscarriage a year before, and I was doing it on my own. So uh, I was getting on in years and didn't have a partner. So I asked a friend if he would be the donor, um, which was a little bit of a process and a lot of uh, time and energy spent on um, making sure things were clear. And we had a legal agreement. Um, and then uh, he lives. Uh, five hours away from me. So a lot of logistics for leading up to getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant. So I was really excited about the pregnancy. I was five months along. Um, So um, that's what happened. Um, Mm. I'm so sorry for your loss. It was so much work and build up to get there and having Mm -hmm. an early loss and then being so excited and having your son born still is such a heartbreak. Yeah. And I had to go back to work um, 10 days later and I'm a theater director. uh, And I, so I had to go halfway across the country um, to the East coast and live in a tiny little trailer and direct two plays uh, only 10 Mm. days after that happened. So that was also part of the challenge of uh, processing the grief of that. Right. You really didn't have time. You were right immersed immediately into your work. You had, um, you, you barely had time to process what happened. Uh, never mind grieve. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Although I did, um, I did recognize right away, uh, the, the importance of grieving. And one of the things that happened that made me recognize that was, um, after I delivered my son, delivered my son, um, 
the placenta wasn't coming out. And so the doctor said eventually they would have to do a really, well, he didn't say invasive procedure, but I was told it was an invasive procedure to basically a DNC to remove the placenta. Mm -hmm. And I asked him for a couple of extra hours um, to see if it would come on its own. And I was really, I'm a bit of type A sort of marathon runner type person. So I was trying to kind of, um, you know, muscle it out with my body. And Mm. luckily, (laughs) luckily I had um, a great team of midwives and my sister was there. Oh, like I hadn't, I hadn't really acknowledged the baby after uh, he was born. Like um, I was so focused on the physical task at hand of like labor and doing what I needed to do physically that I wasn't allowing myself to emotionally accept or recognize what was happening so the the midwife said instead of focusing on the placenta why don't you um put your attention on your son um who I'd been kind of ignoring just out of shock probably and uh she said you know this might sound weird but some women find it really helpful to hold their child and so I held him and I held him for a long time and I wailed. I, I made a sound that I had never made before with my own voice and I didn't know that I could make. And it felt really primal and it was probably a terrible sound to hear, but there was something in the expression of it that um, felt so right and um, so helpful. So I did mm-hmm. that. And then, um, and then the, the midwives and my sister and my friends sort of stood around the bed and I named him uh, for them in, in, within their, in their presence, which felt um, good and like, a, like a, a really significant moment and a kind of ritual. And then I had my picture taken with him and, you know, we have the habit of smiling in pictures. The midwife luckily said like, you don't have to smile. Don't worry. Cause that's sort of a habit. And then, um, and then I had the idea that I wanted to be alone with him. And so I asked everyone to leave the room. And when I did that, again, it was just, this overwhelming feeling um, that I, that I am a mother now and the, to understand deeply um, what that feels like and what that means. And so I talked to him a little bit and, and it felt really good to be alone with him. Um, And then when they came back in the room and I gave him back to the midwives, um, then the placenta came out. Uh, almost right away so um, that was kind of magical for me in a strange way because I then realized okay that wailing that I did that was like I don't know Greek you know like from a Greek tragedy um, was like what I needed to do uh, like part of the process in order to get my body into balance again and so then I made it I made it um, a real priority, even though I had to start work again, to carve out little times in my day where I would set the timer on my phone and I would lie down or sit down in somewhere quiet and I would just allow myself to cry and grieve. And even if it was just for like 10 minutes, because to give it, to just give it space and honor it and respect that it's part of the process. Because I think up until, up until that, 
event, um, I had always had some kind of unconscious belief that grieving or sadness was a weakness or it was kind of, um, I don't know, like uh, inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And um, so with that thing that happened with my, my, um, my time with my son and connecting with him and making it really sacred. Uh, and then the connection between that and the placenta and the body coming into balance, it really helped to, um, solidify or change that belief that, okay, I need to grieve in order to be healthy and in order to move through this. And I, I'm going to do it for as long as I need to, you know, and maybe it won't ever go away, but, um, maybe, you know, my life around the grief will start to loosen up a bit. Um, but in the moment, it just felt like everything in my life was consumed by the grief. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a beautiful experience, even in the midst Mm -hmm. of tragedy to have, you know, to have this sudden unexpected loss happen and to be sort of taking your type A approach to it, right? You're going to hit it head on and really meet it there. And then to be surrounded by that love and support and care that let you, you do the grieving that gave your body some sense of balance back, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, I love that you use the term magical about it because um, your perception of grief when you said that it's, you know, a weakness or not necessary is what a lot of people think about grief. And the reality is that grief is, is in my opinion, really magical because it allows us to express that love in such a capacity, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I, I love this strategy you have of setting a timer for your dedicated grieving time. You know, yeah. that's such a powerful honoring of your son and of your love know yeah I also um had three different ceremonies for him so one of the things that I did um after I got out of the hospital um even though I had to go across the country 10 days later was I um had three different ceremonies for my son scattering ashes um I named my son River Um, So I scattered his ashes on the Avon River, close to where I live with friends around, um, which was beautiful. And that was just a few days later. And then on my way um, to PEI, where I was headed, I stopped um, near the St. Lawrence River. And my friend who was the donor, and my mom and I and another friend um, scattered his ashes on the St. Lawrence River. Um, near to where he was conceived. And then uh, we made it to the ocean um, where I'm originally from, um, PEI, and my family was there and we had a ceremony um, putting his ashes under uh, under the ground by a, a new apple tree that we had planted. So all three of those ceremonies were um, wonderful in that they... Um, I allowed other people into my grief and my story, people who love me and support me and could honor my son and me. Um, and so that was a, a sort of more ritualistic way that I m- moved through or coped. Cope sort of sounds like a, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it was coping, but also it, 
it sounds like sort of a negative word, but it really felt mm. like, again, these ceremonies were such a positive thing. Um, yeah. Like a celebration, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that idea of coping is really um, learning to carry this, adjusting mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. this reality of loss. And, and mm-hmm. to me, that sense of, of honoring him with the ceremonies, bringing into your grief, the people who love and support you and who love him through you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is, yeah. is, um, is a way to carry the grief forward because you have these memories now of these mm-hmm. ceremonies and, yeah. and that's your, one of the vehicles you carry your love in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when, when the loss is, is so early on in life, it's, um, you know, there's not as much to hold on to necessarily. And so these ceremonies and these memories and the pictures that I have now and a few other things that I've done really helps make it real for me mm-hmm. so that it's um, it's tangible. Like I also had, um, there's a, a jeweler in PEI who makes uh, custom memorial jewelry. So I took a few, uh, some of his ashes and they, they blasted it into some silver and I had a ring made. So I wear this ring now always, a little silver ring um, that just reminds me of him, but also reminds me of everything that I've learned through the grieving process about you know, love and um, the importance of taking care of ourselves and expressing our true feelings. And so that this ring, even though it's just a little thing, is also like sort of a daily little reminder for me of everything that he uh, represents in, uh, in my life. So symbolic, right? That, that love, self-care, expression, and the idea of the ring or a circle that it's ongoing, right? Never ending. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, and I also chose to, um, it was several months later, uh, but on October 15th, which is, um, uh, I think it's a national day for uh What's it called? Um, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Day. Yes. Yeah. 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 So on that day, I chose to write a post on social media about telling my story. And it was incredible, the response that I got. Um, And it's part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, too, is because I learned through the process just how many people this has happened to and how um, taboo it is to talk about and how many people are still suffering because they didn't have um, this, the, well, they didn't have the opportunity to grieve like I did, or mm-hmm. I don't know, but, you know, because often in the past, women were just told to forget about it. And that would be the easiest way to move forward and just get pregnant again really quickly. And, um, you know, to each their own, but I have noticed from friends that I've been talking to that there's still a lot of pain around these losses and, I think the more that we can talk about it um, in a sensitive way, you know, not, you know, not that everyone needs to say everything all the time, but um, the more we can talk about it in a sensitive way and the more our culture can understand the depth of grief that comes along with that kind of loss, um, you know, the healthier we're going to be. Yeah. And I think I agree very much with that philosophy that, um, you know, being able to share our true stories, even the very difficult stories, 
like losing a child at birth. When we're able to share those stories, we connect, um, we connect at the level of the heart. Mm-hmm. And we know then that we're not alone. We know that this is real and that it's valid, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not minimized or dismissed when we connect with others and share our stories and people receive our story and, and share their story back. And that is by moving our grief out into the world through story sharing um, and story receiving, we have this experience of it's okay, it's going to be okay, this is part of life, this this pain is part of life and you can carry it. Yeah, and it's 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 okay. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. we can talk about it. And mm-hmm. it's and the thing that the other thing I learned about grief too is it's so deeply connected to love. And yes. you know, uh, until this moment, like grief had always had this negative connotation, like it was this bad thing. And in, now I realize, no, grief is like a sign of love. Like it's so, you just connect, my heart connects so much with love for not just the person that I've lost, but all the people around me. Because it reminds me how precious we are and how precious our relationships are. And so it's a beautiful thing. And I've really come to experience more, actually more, more love and more joy in my life since that, um, since that loss. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we think about grief as love and expression of love, um, love and attachment, you know, um, those mm-hmm. those things are so very powerful in human experience. You know, we're meant to connect with one another. And in grief, we have to find a different way to connect, a different capacity for connecting um, than mm-hmm. we have to when we are all here in physical presence, right? So mm-hmm. um, it sounds like you have found some beautiful ways to um, honor River and to connect with the love you have for him, not just for yourself, but for others. And mm-hmm. then by sharing that out in the world, you know, um, helping other people realize that this is so important. Grief as yeah. an expression of love is so important and, and healthy for us. Yeah. And I would say too, that it's never too late to grieve a loss. So if if someone has had a loss and kind of swept it under the rug and moved on, but has this like nagging feeling that they that they're still really sad about that, like it's not too late to have a little ceremony to to name that child or to um, to write a little story about it or to talk about it with someone and to you know soften yourself to that grief because in in the long run yeah it's gonna it's gonna bring more peace of mind I think so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I think sometimes when we've carried our grief privately for a long time whether it's because um that was encouraged by society or whether that is you know how we managed it when it was so raw and powerful um that moving it out into the world, knowing that it's never too late, as you say, is such a, uh, an important lesson for people too, right? That mm-hmm. it's, it's ever evolving, it's ever changing, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. can be your expression of it. You can find different mm-hmm. ways as your needs change over time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so very much for sharing River's story with us and your story of loss and, and love and uh, grief and how you have been carrying it these several months. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we know that this story might be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org, for more stories of hope and healing.